Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time now for the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes, yes. Welcome in. It's Balloon Party. Tim McKernan, Jackson Burkett with you for an hour. We welcome you to participate in the show by texting the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. And to watch the show and engage in the YouTube chat, it's the 101 ESPN YouTube channel. And the studio cameras are brought to you by the Air Alliance team. Come on in, Jackson. The water is warm. Jeremy Rutherford going to join us coming up at 1045 talking blues hockey as they are in Las Vegas to take on the Golden Knights this evening. Pre-game here on 101 ESPN is coming your way at 8 p.m. And also the loss this past Saturday against the Coyotes. And they are done with the Coyotes. A lot oh. of Coyotes to start the season. God, thank God. Uh, but what an atmosphere. And today it's a weekend wrap-up and it's the Little Piddles doing it. And I just want to get to it because I know we got a lot to get to. We got winter meetings. We got college football. We got Missouri, Ohio State. We got JR at 1045. You do it. Do it. Do your thing. I don't want to step on your toes. Sure. Well, what a weekend it was in the world of football, Tim. The obvious topic surrounding football from this weekend was the CFP committee's choice to leave Florida State out and put Alabama and Texas in. What did you make of the decision? Does this set an unfortunate precedent for the future of the 12-team playoff? Jackson, I actually said on this very program, this Mm award-winning program on Friday, that I bet a five-game parlay money line of Oregon, Texas, Georgia, Florida State, and Michigan. Mm -hmm. And then I also bet another one to cover my bases with Washington, Texas, Georgia, Florida State, and Michigan. Why did I do that? Because I told the audience that I wanted chaos. And you know what? Upon further review, yesterday morning... As I was sitting at the ice rink at 6.15 and reading and watching my, my boy out mm-hmm. there skating and then texting with the Colonel Gabriel P.D. Armand, I had a realization. Be careful what you wish for. Because when it came down to it, I didn't want it. I didn't want it. Mm. And I don't know if I'm coming at it from the perspective of being, parentheses, the best host but I thought, now we're going to have this thing where we're going to argue, did the committee get it right? And we're arguing something subjective. And that doesn't really do it for me. It's, it would be the equivalent of arguing about religion or politics. 
I'm not going to convince you otherwise. And on top of it, I kind of respect your perspective anyway, so it doesn't really matter. There is no right when you're not operating off of objective data. I could argue for Florida State if you would like me to. I could argue for Alabama if you would like me to. But the reality of this whole thing is, is that it irritates me because two reasons. Number one, it concerns me for the future that an injury could then lead to teams being kept out in order to get bigger brands in, which is kind of what I think goes on with college football. And I would include the SEC mm-hmm. in that category, even though my near alma mater is SEC. And uh, and I'll be the first one to tell you that if, if Florida State and Alabama were playing right now and I didn't have to give any points and it was a straight money line, I'd take Alabama all day. But I have a major issue with the team going undefeated and being a Power 5 conference champion and being on the outside looking in. Uh, Hey, you know what they did, though? They had a four-team playoff with five conferences at one point. So theoretically, this was live for a decade, and they got hit by it in the final year of it. And on and on the back end of it, this is something, and this is what I was texting with Gabe yesterday morning, that was avoidable and actually on this show because in the Little Piddles half and halves and weekend wrap-ups and Friday six-shooters and Tuesday turbulence and Thursday throwdowns and Wednesday... Wide berth. Wide berth. (laughs) You would ask about these meetings with college football commissioners because they were trying to get the 12-team playoff going what year? This year. And this is really one of the only years that I can recall where I feel like teams 1 through 11 could theoretically make a run. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I feel that way about the four that are in. I could see any. If you gave me any of the four, I'll take my chances with them. I could see Alabama winning. I could see Washington winning. I could see Texas winning. I could see Michigan winning. Did did not feel that way last year. Didn't feel that way about TCU, for example, last year. Nothing against TCU. It's just how I analyzed it. But Kevin Warren, who was the commissioner of the Big Ten, and uh, the commissioner of the ACC, and what's his name? Jim Phillips. Phillips, and a gentleman by the name of George Papadopoulos. George Papadopoulos, who adopted Emmanuel Lewis from a playground in the early 1980s, and then went on to be the Pac-12 commissioner, and will now go back to adopting strangers because he doesn't have a conference. They got together a couple years ago, and they were banty as all get out about Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC. And so, what did they do? They literally it was like it was like the the episode in the Office, yeah, where Dwight formed an alliance <laughs> with Jim, <laughs> yep. and they formed what they called an alliance. It was like Hulk Hogan and Kevin Nash getting out there. Uh, and, 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 for, and Scott Hall forming the New World Order. Watch this, by the way. New World Order. World Order. And so they announced they were an alliance. And so when they, all the commissioners and the athletic director from Notre Dame got together just a couple of years ago, by the way, this, I don't even know if it was two years ago. I think it was last year. And said, hey, if we don't vote for it today, we won't have the 12-team playoff in 2023. And there is Kevin Warren, George Papadopoulos mm-hmm. and Jibby <laughs> Phillips. Jibby Phillips. With a B. <laughs> and coincidentally, the Alliance, the new, new World Order, all were the three who voted against it. Everybody else voted for it. And Florida State and their conference commissioner, they voted against it. 
Why? Because they were mad about Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC. Well, well, well. Watch this. Oh, what a tangled web we weave. Jiminy. And alas, you digging in, it did you wrong yesterday. And I would argue that Kevin Warren has won. He's now the president of the Chicago Bears in the Big Ten who spit and shook hands with the Pac-12 spit and shook hands with the ACC, said, hey, Pac-12, we're going to take care of you here in this alliance before I go become the president of the Chicago Bears. No, it's about our TV deal. And then secretly, the husband goes to work Mm. and the Big Ten slips in the back door and he takes four wives. He takes USC, he takes UCLA, he takes Washington, and he takes Oregon. And then they go, how about your alliance now? We should have had a 12-team playoff. We wouldn't be talking about this anyway. We shouldn't have precedent set by a quarterback getting injured, especially when the defense is a top-10 defense. We're not talking about Jalen Daniels and LSU's defense here. And the whole thing is a shame. So I could give you takes all day about why Alabama should be in or why Florida State should be be in. The reality is college football made a mess of itself, and part of it was a stupid-ass alliance that was formed by the ACC, Pac-12, while the Big Ten did them over and did them real nice-like, because Missouri should be in Eugene, Oregon, taking on the Ducks this Saturday against a full-on Oregon team, unlike what Missouri will be doing on December 29th, which will be taking on Ohio State's second string, and that is unfortunate. So that is why I'm a might bit tilted. Personally, I'd like to see an undefeated Power Five get in, but I understand the other argument, and I'm not going to scream about one or the other. I will bitch about the alliance, because I was bitching about it when we were doing the show, and you would ask me about it, and I would go nuts about it then. So, that's where I am, Jackson. Where are you? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I hear where you're coming from. Like, you can argue both sides, because it's an inexact science. And what this really comes down to is that it is dumb to have four, a final four, when many more teams are worthy and deserving of competing for a championship. There's, you can't tell me with a straight face that only four teams are deserving to compete for a championship. That's nonsense. But then the other answer is, well, next year it changes. So it's like, they have to do something about it. Well, they are. There's going to be 12 teams next year. And you're right about the Alliance. It could have been this year, which has been lovely because we would have another month of college football, including Missouri taking on Oregon at the Autzen Zoo. And how awesome would that be? Oh. It would be just oh. the greatest. Oh. But instead, what we have is a Power Five undefeated team, a conference champion, not in. Do I think Florida State is one of the four best teams in college football? No. So by that definition, I guess they got it right. But again, there is more than four teams deserving of competing for a national championship. You could even argue there's more than 12 teams deserving this year. But year to year, you're going to find that you're going to have a lot more success when it comes to both TV ratings and just the overall nature of the competition that 12 teams is better it's just simply better a week ago Gabe Diarman was on TMA and he said well, I'm operating on one premise and that is that there are three teams and then there's a big gap between three and four you know who those three teams were you do because I did this on TMA this morning it was Georgia Michigan and Oregon well two of the three will be engaged in New Year's six fun and games yeah. um, 
that is the reality of the 2023 season. We saw it having a little chaos signs early on, and we ended with actual chaos, somewhat reminiscent of 2007, the year Missouri got to be number one in the country, and uh, LSU lost to Arkansas, but still wound up playing for the national championship. Uh, lost to LSU, uh, Arkansas on Friday in that spot that used to be uh, LSU, Arkansas, and now is Missouri and Arkansas, that fr- Black Friday game. So, I am uh, I am just disappointed because it didn't have to be this way. That stupid ass alliance uh, curtailed it. I was bitching about it while it was going on. For the record, this is not results oriented because uh, it didn't make any sense. And then on top of it, the commissioner George Papadopoulos yes. of the Pac-12, who uh, is now the commissioner of adopting children off of playgrounds with his wife, ma'am. Right, in the 80s. With Emmanuel Lewis. Right. uh, Is looking for employment, and the Pac-12 is now Washington State and Oregon State playing a Mountain West schedule, and the Big Ten and Kevin Warren, uh, they have have won, and they have won real nice-like. Yep. Because Michigan is in there, and uh, in future Pac- or Big Ten opponent, Washington is in there <laughs> as well. So yeah, that is uh, my emotion on it. I was real. I was. I was texting with Gabe yesterday. I'm just like, God. I'm just kind of just down about the whole thing, honestly. And I thought I wanted chaos. Yeah. But you want chaos when you want to see change. The change was already coming. This is just one lame duck year, and it's a shame because this really is a year where if you go, yeah, you get the you get the ten seed. I go, okay, I'll take my chances. Yeah. This is a different kind of year in college football. Usually there are one or two who are clearly in a different class. The team that now is number two was a 10-point underdog yep. on Friday night. Yep. The team that was numbered or that is number two was a 10-point underdog on Friday night. So uh, the whole thing is unfortunate. Alabama, five-point underdog against Georgia. And then, then on t- by the way, the final rankings... <laughs> I mean, so Florida State is is number five yep. because we're ranking by who the best teams are, but yet they're ahead of Georgia at number six, yeah. even though Georgia was undefeated and lost by three to Alabama. Uh, I'll ask you this question. If Georgia wins, and that means you have Georgia, Washington, Michigan, and then an undefeated Florida State, a two-loss Alabama, so they're out, and a one-loss Texas, who gets the final spot? Who I think they would vote on. I would think they would vote on Florida State getting in and being the fourth team. I agree with you. Who do I think should go? Texas, I still think, is the better team, so therefore I think they should go. Right, but that is not the question. The question is, who would the committee have put in? Florida State. They would have put a Florida State Texas and Alabama were a package deal. (laughs) I share that view with you 100%. I want to restate that because it might have been a little confusing. Had Georgia beaten Alabama... Jackson and I both believe the final four would have been Georgia, Michigan, Washington, Florida State. Yep. 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 Yeah. But because they, because Georgia lost, and you have to respect Alabama's victory over Georgia, you have to put Alabama in. And then if you're going to put Alabama in respect their win against Georgia, you got to put Texas in. Because and, of their win in Tuscaloosa. And where does that leave the Seminoles? On the outside looking in. And if I was Mike Norvell and I was a Florida State fan or a player on the team, I would be irate. I would be totally irate because this, but then again, you have to look at the historical context of it and understand that your commissioner kind of puts you in this situation. Not entirely. George Papadopoulos. George Papadopoulos doesn't get all, there's not all the blood on his hands. 
even though he was the Pac-12 commissioner, um, regardless, <laughs> the fact that we had four, exclusively four, the fact that there was a BCS, that a computer picked it was stupid. The fact that there were four was stupid. Now we're finally going to get to 12, what, 25 years later is just lovely, I guess. And uh, for the record, one of George Papadopoulos' big things was, and I'm not making this up, because I have gone back and read, because I remember you asking this question, oh, yeah. and it would drive me up the wall every yeah. time this would get delayed. Those big meetings they had. Yes, these these meetings. And then the three <laughs> conference commissioners would all vote together, and then Kevin Warren comes in, and he takes USC, UCLA, and eventually Washington, Oregon. And then, and then when Oregon decides we're leaving, <laughs> then it blows up the Pac-12, and then the ACC is like, what about the alliance? Guess we'll take Stanford and Cal, and, and then George Papadopoulos. Yeah, he's, he's back to Emmanuel Lewis. High and dry. Uh, George Papadopoulos, maybe not necessarily realizing his importance in the negotiation, was this was one of his big things, and I'm not making this up, is that even though the college football playoff would take place, the semifinals would take place on New Year's Day, the George Papadopoulos-led Pac-12 was adamant that the Rose Bowl, which at that point, if you think about it, would no longer have the number one team from the Big Ten and the number one team from the Pac-12. Right. It'd probably be like the third or fourth best team from the Big Ten and the third or fourth best team from the Pac-12 that they would get three hours or four hours carved out on New Year's Day. At least it's only at four o'clock central, so it's not prime time to have the Rose Bowl played between the fourth best Big Ten team and the third best Pac-12 team. So everybody could have gathered around to watch Minnesota take on Arizona. Right. In an exhibition game at the the Rose Bowl. And he he goes, we're only asking for three hours a year. We're three of the most valuable, you know. Right, I only want want four hours, but it's on Super Bowl Sunday at 5 p.m. God almighty, George Papadopoulos. Yeah, he can't, that's just nonsense. Yeah, it's it's all self-interest. And when you only act in your own self-interest. You got to know when you have the juice. Tupac, Omar Epps, 1992, I think it was 1992. Exactly, like you got it, you're acting in your own self-interest for your conference, but really you're shooting yourself in the foot down the road because if you only have four t- uh, spots and five power conferences, then some power conference is going to get left out, especially in cases where we've seen this before, where two, like the SEC or Big Ten, have two teams in. Yes, and that has happened. And then uh, Papadopoulos on Friday night when he hands the trophy to to Washington, he made it so that he turned his back so he couldn't. Did you know this? No, I didn't he, see He this. turned his back so you couldn't see him doing it, and then he bolted from the podium. Yeah. To the credit of the Big 12 commissioner, yeah, he, just took it. he just sat there and took it. <laughs> yeah. And Sarkeesian waving down the, the fans. Oh, what a shame. I love college football, too, but this man. is just... Uh, yeah. nah, your thoughts are welcome. Uh, tell me why I'm wrong and an idiot and short and bald. 314-399-9646. Uh, Air Alliance team, studio cameras in the YouTube chat. Uh, welcome in. The water's warm. Jeremy Rutherford at 1045. This is Balloon Party. Driven by Mung and S. Burkhardt, Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to Balloon Party 101 ESPN. My name is Tim McKernan. That's Jackson Burkett. Jackson, they are not happy that you have the blinds open because they say you can't be seen. It's like staring yeah. at an eclipse. Well, Cal Me is one of the people unhappy about it, but I also do like to see the you know, the, the setting. We do a the vista. Know, <laughs> wonderful vistas well we do a show for three hours in the uh like in like a you know like a stall 
you know, with no windows. That's right. So seeing the sunlight is inspiring. It is inspiring. That's exactly right. Jeremy Rutherford's going to inspire us coming up at 1045. Blues Hockey, 1045 JR with us every Monday here on the program. Uh, you can text in. Certainly a lot of college football conversation here. 314-399-9646, Air Comfort Service text line. And the YouTube chat is active, and that is a wonderful thing. We love to see how many people are getting in there on a regular basis now and talking it over. I mean, so much credit goes to Tiny PP. Yeah. You know, if Jane Daniels is your Heisman winner, I think Tiny PP's got to be your your balloon party listener of the year for the work he has done. I, I mean, it's fun to see Tiny PP. I just have a great deal of a, uh, appreciation. Hey, join in the uh, holiday spirit by helping 101 ESPN support Operation Food Search throughout the month of December. We have partnered with STL Shirt Company to offer a special 101 ESPN online merch store this month, offering 101 ESPN t-shirts, hoodies, hats, and more. Plus, we've brought back some of your favorite designs, including the dunk shirts, the patient shirts, and Jamie Rivers and Brad Thompson jerseys. Order any 101 ESPN swag during the month of December, and proceeds from all sales will go to support Operation Food search. Visit the 101 ESPN online merch store now at 101ESPN.com, powered by McBride Homes. Uh, I'm sensing something in the uh, balloon party chat that I didn't necessarily sense on TMA this morning. And that is a lot of passion and enthusiasm for the Cotton Bowl. Mm -hmm. Before I go and give you my thoughts on that, Jackson. Yo. Missouri takes on Kansas this Saturday in basketball. They sure do. At Allen Fieldhouse. Mm. Now, when you said that, what does that mean? Mm. Well, might as well be playing on Mars. Kind of an equal chance of winning. <clears throat> Missouri takes on Ohio State in the Cotton Bowl on December 29th. Which game would you rather see Missouri win? Uh, to me, the answer is somewhat obvious, but maybe I'm way off, and it's Missouri beating Kansas at Kansas in basketball. 314-399-9646. They're going to come and get you. I, I, I just, I get it. Like, I get, per, personally, like, I love that Missouri got matched up with Ohio State. Couldn't have been better, in my opinion. I think it's even better than or, playing Oregon. I understand Bo, Bo Nix is playing, and that's great for Bo I Nix. No, I saw his post-game press conference on Friday night, and he was talking about his college career in past tense. Yeah, right, right. And so, Good for him for playing. Absolutely, and I also don't, like discredit anyone who's not playing. So like Marvin Harrison probably won't play for Ohio State. That's no surprise. He's going to be a top five pick. Uh, their quarterback has already announced he's getting the transfer yeah. portal Kyle this morning. McCord is, uh, the spread has gone from Ohio State minus six and a half to three and a half, and I think it's probably going to drop. Yeah, like I think it's really cool that Missouri got matched up with Ohio State. But let's look at the game for what it is. It's an exhibition game. It's a bowl game, but it's an exhibition game. And I personally don't think recruits will be swayed one way or another if they lose or they beat Ohio State. I think just being matched up with them in a New Year's Six Bowl in the year they had is plenty of reason enough to come to Missouri if you're in the transfer portal or a recruit. I don't think the game on December 29th against Ohio State, who won't have even a quarter of that team that played against Michigan, possibly, have you, on the uh, field. Have you seen... I believe it was 1996s, but maybe somebody will correct me on that. Maybe it was 97. A Time to Kill. Yeah, I think it's 95, actually. Oh, Bill. With Bill. Matt McConaughey, the yeah. John Grisham novel. Ashley Judd. Am yeah. I right on that? Samuel L. Jackson in there. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Yes, indeed. He gets really fired up, the McConaughey. Kevin Spacey, am I right on I that? I think he is in that. Okay. And as he's making his closing arguments to the jury, he says, now, imagine... 
And then he presents a change in the scenario. And that's the moment in the film. Yeah. So you are now the jury, and I'm Matthew McConaughey. Been compared before, so right. that'll be easy for you to visualize. No, I can, yeah. Yeah, he's 5'2 as well. Now, Missouri, Ohio State, Cotton Bowl, December 29th. Now imagine that's at the big horseshoe in the college football playoff. We get way different. Way, 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 way. Can different. you imagine if this Saturday at 2.30 p.m., your Missouri Tigers head to the big horseshoe to take on Ohio State with the right to play, you name who, right, of Michigan, Alabama, Georgia, sure. Washington, Texas, whatever. One of the teams with a bye, yeah. Yeah, it's not even then. It's not even a question. But now, but that's taking it from an exhibition into the most important game in program history. That's correct. So yeah, hundred percent. And that's what I'm saying. I'm seeing some people in the YouTube chat, and of course, I'm YouTube chat through and through. I mean, like I said, I just gave Tiny PP Listener of the Year award. Um, and the like, I, somebody asked if it would be the biggest win in program history. And look at the look on Jackson's face. I, I, like, I really, I really want to drive home. Like, I get it. It's a New Year's Six Bowl. That's really awesome. The Missouri had a great season. But it's not even bigger than the South Dakota game to start the season. Oh, my God! It's, 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 it's an exit. Like, like uh, okay, maybe I'm way off. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm... I, I get it's a big-time bowl. It's a cotton bowl. It's a great bowl game to have. But if it was such a great bowl game, wouldn't Marvin Harrison be playing in it? Like, am I... When Kyle McCord stick around? <laughs> like, I don't know. It seems like the proof is already in the pudding. It just speaks to us like the whole, but, but whatever. I mean, I'm listen, I'm looking forward to watching Me it. Too. And I'm excited that Missouri's playing Ohio State. When that popped up on the screen, Could've I was better. all ready for a game against Liberty. Right, then, yeah. You that's not the question. But, uh, but... It's it's just I get on tilt about I really think Missouri's good enough. Listen, what I do what I bet Missouri to win the play. I mean, you're giving me odds, sure, to win the college football playoff if we're a twelve team. Would I expect them to? No. But do I think they could beat any of the teams this year? I do. Yes. I absolutely do. Yep. Um, and that includes Ohio State when they're fielding their real team. Right. And I think Ohio State may be one of the four best teams in the country. Possibly. But the team Missouri is going to see on December 29th, just most likely, like the same team that uh, Liberty is going to face in Oregon in the Fiesta Bowl, they're going to be different things. And that sucks. So one of the things that I can already see on Twitter uh, will be when Florida State and Georgia play, and it'll be, see, Florida State should have been in if they beat Georgia, or see, Florida State didn't belong if they lose to Georgia. When in reality, the two teams that competed on Saturday are not going to be the two teams that play in the Orange Bowl. So when guys sit around lonely and, you know, and argue with each other on Twitter over conferences in between Christmas and New Year's, a sad tradition unlike any other... You're arguing over two different sets of circumstances. The teams that are fielded during bowl week are totally different than the teams that competed during the first, you know. So it's like, oh, see, the SEC sucks. They did terrible in the bowl. Then SEC guy, if the SEC does well, see, the SEC is the greatest. There's four teams competing all out. And they're Michigan, Washington, Texas, and Alabama. And, hey, I'm sure Liberty is going to treat this game like the biggest game in program history because it probably is but they're not facing the Oregon team that just went to Las Vegas and lost to Washington. And that part is unfortunate. So it will not be vindication 
either way on the Florida State decision, uh, no matter what happens at the Orange Bowl. Your thoughts, 314-399-9646. You are welcome to give your thoughts in the Air Alliance Team YouTube chat on the 101 ESPN channel. Jeremy Rutherford going to join us coming up at 1045. Jackson has the weekend wrap-up with winter meetings conversation going on. And there is news about a big-time player and a big-time team having mutual interest. We'll have that for you on the other side of the break. This is Balloon Party, driven by Mungan S. Burkhardt, Alton Toyota. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. How are we on the blues station and people don't know what day the blues play their games? Now, when you say people, right, it seems like that was hyper focused. I like that term because I would use the term passive aggressive. Mm. <laughs> oh, I'm yeah, hyper focused, I feel like was the right word there. Even though maybe listen, I thought you know, I I saw the fourth and I forgot today was a fourth. Is that right? Well when you look at the the game seconds before you say it on live radio. There it is. Sometimes. No further questions. Sometimes. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, we've talked a lot of college football playoff. Uh, They're not happy with us in the text inbox, Jackson. Nope. Uh, F you two, except the F word was used, and I don't know how I'll explain that to my sons this evening. Best of luck. Bowl games are for the fans, which obviously you aren't. Beating Ohio State would be awesome regardless of who plays. You still beat their program. That comes from... uh, I believe it was the 636. Yes. And I would agree that it would be awesome to beat Ohio State, but to say it is more important than a regular season beating a very good Kansas team at their home court, it'd be one of the best wins in Missouri basketball history. So I I, I personally don't see the comparison. God, that's interesting. If I were to if the tables were turned and I had to answer that question, which one I would rather have. Yeah. I think I would rather have the Ohio State win. Okay. I mean I I, I don't. I really don't get it. I don't. I don't see. I don't. I like because it's a, it, like listen. If it's Kansas in the NCAA tournament, right? Different deal, right? But like in in three years, do you think people are going to remember if Missouri? Well, yes, I, they will. Yeah. Well, I know it's a bad example, but like, th- like, do we know who won the Cotton Bowl three? Like, absolutely not. Like recruits and transfers. Like, I don't think it'd be like, well, I wasn't going to go, but they beat Ohio State, who's putting out their JV team. But it's it's actually, I think, more about, hey, we went eleven and two and finished number six in the country. I think that I think it's that that headline would be is, is more that. more important. So you know, number five is going to be Georgia or Florida State because they're playing each other and they're ranked again. Florida State <laughs> being ranked fifth is phenomenal, but whatever the whole thing was a you know hand job anyway uh and uh and then georgia uh is six so you know that one of them is going to be ranked five Mm -hmm. and gabe said i didn't realize this that if you're in the playoff you can't be ranked lower than four at the end 
Oh. I'm, I'm surprised by that. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. It'd be really interesting if a two-loss team is ahead of an undefeated Florida State like team. Like, what happens if they're like, yeah, like, uh, <laughs> actually, Florida State's number one now. But whatever. <laughs> yeah, how great would that be? Split national championship like 97 with Nebraska and Michigan. Jackson, I uh, deep-teased this. John Morosi is reporting. We have heavy activity going on with Shohei Otani yeah. and the Atlanta Braves. My God. That would be a... That would that would shake the world. Just giving you a little peek at what the lineup would look like if Otani's added to it. Okay. Ronald Acuna would be in the outfield. Show Otani. We'll have him hit second. Austin Riley will play third and uh, bat third. Matt Olson will play first. Ozzy Alves will be at second. Sean Murphy uh, will hit sixth and play catcher. Michael Harris in center field. Uh, Orlando Arcia will play short. And uh, and then now, fresh off of the trade late last night with the Mariners, uh, Jared Kalenic will now be batting ninth for the Atlanta Braves if they were able to get Otani. This is a team that is on a mission that has somehow set themselves up to have their position players locked in at relative for baseball terms bargain. And again, I want to emphasize relative for baseball terms bargain prices and freeze them up to go absolutely balls to the wall. Now, if you gave me a choice of Kyle Gibson and Lance Lynn or Otani, I'm obviously taking Gibson and Lynn. Duh. But it seems like the Braves might be trying to really win. All due respect. Yeah, I don't know what that means. So there's that. But hey, you know what? I like the Cardinal plan this year because I've already kind of gone, hey, you know, 2024 is what it is. We'll see what they do this uh, week. What do you expect? Will Dylan Carlson and Tyler Tyler O'Neill both be members of the Cardinals on Thursday? No. And it's funny you say that because I got audio right here from John Mosellock, fresh in from the MLB Network at the winter meetings. (sighs) Shout out Mike Ryder. Well, we really like our club, first off. Mm -hmm. Um, From an offensive standpoint. Somebody laughed right there. That was the ghost of Joe Strauss. (laughs) Trying to find at-bats for certain players. So when you look at our infield right now, you could imagine it's going to be Goldie. And then at second base, is it going to be Gorman or Donovan? Is it going to be Wynn at short? And then Arenado at third. So pretty solid there. It's just a matter of like how we distribute those at-bats. In the outfield right now, if we were to play tomorrow, it'd likely be Newt, Tommy Edmond, and Walker. And so, you know, our fourth outfielder would be Dylan Carlson. But obviously, we can, we're going to go into camp. We're going to see what that looks like. Tyler O'Neill is somebody that, that we are listening to on trades. Getting a lot of hits on our outfielders. And, you know, we're just going to see where that, what that does for us. But, you know, overall, we like our everyday club. So we're not really in a market to try to do much there other than see what we might be able to get for some, one of those players. Oh, well, I follow that. Okay. The everyday club thing I get. Yeah. I, I'm in, I'm I, I I understand that yeah but I understand I, that yeah kind of saying out loud like hey we're listening to trades on Tyler right I, the, the way it started off can we replay the beginning of that because is it sure. was somebody coughing laughing uh, I don't know <laughs> I hope that'd be funny well we really like our club first off um, <laughs> from an offensive standpoint I mean really it's going to be that's a nice <laughs> nice dry cough right after such a statement from President of Baseball Nations. <laughs> <sighs> I mean, you know, <laughs> if we're if if, it, if baseball were solely decided by, you know, offense and you know, 
having the infield and outfield that you could theoretically have, yeah, I'll take that. I mean, it isn't going to match what the Braves thing could be, but that's that could be otherworldly. Yeah. That could be something we talk about like we talk about the late 80s in Oakland yeah. um, if they get Otani. But there's also that other half of the game with the starting staff. And, you know, Matt's Michaelis, Lynn Gibson doesn't necessarily... I just I I doubt that the Braves are going. Well, we got to go to Otani since the Cardinals got Gibson and Lynn. They should be saying that. Nice, Jackson. You're trying to win them back over. Oh well, yeah, I really lost the, e- the Golden Knights thing. Lost some equity. You did. You did. Yeah, they're not happy with you in the YouTube chat. God, it's 10:47. I got a break. Holy crap! <laughs> All right, we got a break. Jr. is going to join us on the other side of the break. This is Balloon Party 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. News, notes, and nuggets. It's time for the Rutherford Report with our Blues insider, Jeremy Rutherford. Brought to you by Scott Lee Heating Company, a proud Mitsubishi Electric Elite Contractor. Welcome back to Balloon Party 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan, Jackson Burkett, and we are pleased to be joined by the great Jeremy Rutherford. Morning, Jar. What's up, Tim? How you doing? Listen, do you hear the crowd noise? Yeah, yeah. There oh, was a gallery. Oh, there was a gallery. Uh, <laughs> it's a shame because it's it's only December fourth, but the Blues are already done with the Coyotes. Yeah, you know, looking forward to the rest of that season series. Oh, it's over. Son yeah, of a gun. Yeah, a lot I of Coyotes blues, early on. Yeah, four of them. I bet the Blues are happy it's over as well. I That's, know. Uh, Who would have thought? Yeah, you know what? That's a that's a better team, and we'll get into some Blues issues here, I'm sure. But uh, you know, people got to give that Arizona squad some credit. Bill Armstrong kind of getting things going. I know they've still got a ton of prospects coming and assets that they can trade and get better. Uh, but they're playing with a purpose right now. That's one thing that watching that game Saturday. Uh, I didn't see necessarily with the Blues, especially early on. And uh, they've got them going in the right direction. Yeah, the uh, NHL fans in Houston are going to get treated when they uh, relocate there. <laughs> JR, I wanna, I, 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 the Blues, it's, it's, it's off, it's on, it's on, it's off. It's a couple games in a row. It just depends. Uh, saw that again on, on Saturday. You, uh, you know, we're past the quarter point. Is there anything that you think that has altered Armstrong's mindset that this is still a, a competitive retool as in of course they they want to make the playoffs but they won't invest too much to get there i think that he has to keep the mindset at least for now now it might change after christmas but i think for now with the way the 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 standings have played out and the blues are kind of there in the mix even if you don't like your team's chances if you're in wild card shot i think you got to try to stay competitive and, and play some of these guys um, that they're playing right now. Now that might change again. You look at the, the January schedule; it's it's pretty difficult, and uh, you're going to get closer to the trade deadline, and maybe some decisions are going to have to be made. But you're right. You know, this is six straight games: win, lose, win, lose, win, lose. And I might be the only person. How many people on this earth? Seven billion. I might be the only person who just rewatched this uh, Blues Arizona game from Saturday this morning. Wow! And uh, Jay, and, just and you and Jackson. I, <laughs> I've already done it twice. <laughs> just can win the, the Blues game against Vegas is, right? That's right. Yeah, it's a surprise start tonight. It's unimportant. Yeah, and what I saw here, Tim, especially, you know, that first, uh, couple minutes, first period, um, is that Arizona is the type of team, like I said a, a second ago, that's playing with a purpose. The Blues weren't. 
And I feel like, you know, they're, they're not heavy on their sticks. We can talk about buy-in all we want. That's just so hard to describe, and it's so hard to find out the reason why there wouldn't be a buy-in with a team. But if you want to define it for me, the Blues were making plays that they weren't confident in. And, and a lot of the plays for Arizona that wound up in the back of the Blues net were the Blues weren't making plays before them that prevented that. You know, in the offensive zone with a minute, 10 seconds to go, and all of a sudden, you're with uh, less than a minute to go, it's in the back of your net. I, I just feel like the Blues aren't playing with confidence, especially in these games where they're not scoring first. They're 11-0 yeah. and they're scoring first, and they've only won the one game still this year. Uh, when they didn't score first. So not a lot of confidence, not a lot of purpose in their play. Here's a uh, kind of a bigger picture question, uh, as we certainly will have a lot more information. Uh, with the Blues going up against Golden Knights, two of the next three nights, one in Las Vegas, one in St. Louis. Uh, what's going on with Alibor Dvorsky? Uh, Jackson, I know you've been monitoring his progress with... Uh, first Sunday. time I've ever heard the name of my live-long life. Oh, my God. <laughs> Dvorsky? <laughs> I would just act like your mic isn't. When Jackson's trying to say something, his mic isn't working. He didn't hear me. Uh, he, of course, a first-round pick for the Blues. Gotcha, gotcha. Thank you. And uh, he had a hat trick on Friday, 26 points in 16 games. Uh, the guy is on fire ever since coming over. Uh, do you think that things could change and they might expedite his path based on how he's performing? Who are you talking about? Dvorsky? This he no, <laughs> I'm kidding. This uh, Delmore Dvorsky. Sorry, Jax. Um, <laughs> he, he's been uh, he's been phenomenal, and and what a great great move by the Blues organization to uh, to bring him over along with his agent. Uh, and and I think that he's just tearing it up with Sudbury, right? But here's the rules with this situation: he cannot join the Blues unless two things happen. It's the end of Sudbury season, which isn't going to happen, obviously, for months. And then number two, unless it's an emergency recall. So if you're below 12 forwards and, you know, I don't even know how you would create an emergency situation because you got people in, in, uh, in the American Hockey League that you could call up, Tim. But that's the only way that Dvorsky can come up before the end of that Sudbury season. So I don't see it, but... Um, you know, the way he's playing and that opportunity at, at the end of the year, I, I think that could be there. It's just going to be a while. Yeah, and that's what I mean. Obviously, I'm not talking about like in the next week, but but at yeah. the end of their season, would that be something? Because I don't know if that was something that was necessarily the way the Blues were thinking with his development. You certainly would have greater perspective on that. You know, they had the diversified portfolio of first-round picks, which, you know, lessened the pressure, I would think, on each one of them, uh, considering they weren't in the in the Bedard sweepstakes. So from that standpoint, I would imagine they have to be thrilled by what they're seeing in the early going. You have to. He's been great. And uh, obviously things were started off differently for Dvorsky over in uh, Sweden. Um, no points in the first 10 games. The ice time was dwindling. They uh, all talked and made that decision to bring him over to Canada and play junior hockey. And that's been great. You know, I guess to, to go back to your point about uh, could they potentially progress the development, I wouldn't see him at the end of this year if the season isn't going well. That's what yeah, yeah. because you don't want to throw him into a situation like that. Let him keep playing. At the very least, though, maybe he, he goes and enters in the American Hockey League at the end of the season. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. But I do think that the way he's playing, 
uh, does create a situation where he could be a guy that they're penciling in at the start of next year, is, is assuming that he has a great uh, training camp. Yeah, whether it's this year or next year, it's super exciting to see what's going on in a short period of time. Hey, real quickly, uh, the St. Louis Business Journal had a story on, uh, I believe it was Thursday afternoon, we talked about it on TMA and Balloon Party on Friday, regarding both the Cardinals and the Blues television situation. And it certainly got a lot more attention with MLB and the Cardinals situation, but uh, Chris Zimmerman of the Blues was quoted in that talking about how the Apple TV MLS model is where the future is. Have you ever had a conversation with Tom Stillman or Zimmerman or anybody at the Blues about their television situation, considering how up in the air things are with Bally's? Kind of just quick conversations, just saying, hey, you know, what's your thought on that? Um, you know, I think when I ask them about it, everything's still a little bit muddy, um, but they don't believe that it's going to become a, a huge issue. Um, they also feel like what, what you mentioned and what was in the article that, uh, you know, the future is going to be changing with this. Is it the Apple model? Uh, so on and so forth. But obviously things aren't going well in situation, but they didn't feel like the Blues were one of those teams that are necessarily going to be impacted right away. You're still going to get your games on Bally's for now. And, and obviously that's going to change here uh, potentially in, in the future with the way things are going. But it didn't seem like at the moment uh, that was going to impact the Blues. JR, appreciate the perspective. Always enjoy the time. And uh, Jackson, you now have a new name to talk about. And that, of course, is... Dalivor Dvorsky. Boar. <laughs> Dalibor? <laughs> he plays for Sudbury? Yeah, include him in the Sports Center update tomorrow. Call me right after the, the latest on Zion. That's exactly Call right. me when he joins the team. Oh, my goodness. Unbelievable. JR, thank you so much. All right, see you, boys. Now, see you, time for us to shut it down. BK and Ferrario are up next. For NHL correspondent Jackson Burkett, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Balloon Party, driven by Mungan S. Burkhardt, Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN and on 101 ESPN's YouTube channel. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.